This is the Black Rifle Coffee Podcast. Prepare to get caffeinated. Welcome to the Black Rifle Coffee Podcast. I'm your host for this one, Logan Stark. Joining me today is veteran of the Canadian Armed Forces, Kelsey Sharon. Kelsey was an artillery gunner over in Afghanistan and has since started the brand Brass and Unity. She's been doing a tour, jumping on various podcasts in the United States for the last couple months and was able to get down to Texas to sit down with us. I particularly like this episode because I think... Kelsey's got a unique perspective on life after some of the stuff that she's been through, and I always enjoy getting the time to sit down and and have a meaningful conversation with people who have a little bit different perspective based on the decisions that they've made in their life, putting themselves out there, trying to do difficult tasks, and Kelsey is definitely one of those people. So thank you for listening, and I present Kelsey Sharon. Hot damn. <laughs> See, this is, this is the, the stuff. Yeah. It's the stuff. But do, do you think that you have to be uh, obsessive to be good in the business world these days? Yeah. I think to an extent. I mean, if you're living in this day and age, like think about it. 50 years ago, there was not technology the way there is now. When you left the office, you left the office. Right. You never leave the office anymore because your phone is always with you. Right. There's access always to everything. So I just think it's almost impossible. I mean, you can put boundaries. It's almost impossible not to be obsessive about these types of things. Yeah. I mean, if you want to be successful, that seems like that's what it takes to be successful. Now you have to be on all the time because think about it for a second. How many people do you know that go home and do a nine to five and never touch their phones or never do anything on the weekends to help support or just yeah. go out of their way that end up being ginormous. Like, like th- think about that logically. Like Elon Musk, for example, if Elon just was like... It's five. Cars and rockets ended at five. Clock. Five o'clock. There's no more rocket talk. Like, we wouldn't be caffeinating Mars. Yes, you're absolutely right. And it begs the question, should you ever turn it off? Should you be obsessive or are humans more efficient in a nine to five capacity where they decide that the thing that they're doing most of the day is so horrific that they couldn't possibly continue doing it for another five hours before they went to bed that they need to physically punch a clock and stop doing that activity? I, look, I think I think it's not that we would be better off. I think you would live a more balanced life. So if you, I think humanity could be better if we lived more balanced lives. And in order to do that is a certain level of discipline, which doesn't mean that I would prefer sometimes that life was more balanced that way, that all society, not, I'm not saying like my, my life in particular, because yeah. I think I keep it, I mean, I go pretty hard in the paint when it comes to work, but I also, there's a, there's a line and I try to really stick to it. And I think it's because I have a, a family that I really care to look after and, and be a part of and present for. But I think to be successful, 
in this day and age, there's an extent that you have to just, there's an expectation. And if you're not doing it, you can't be. But I, but I also would like to think that if the whole world, if the whole world looked at balance and that would, if the whole world looked at balance the way I would like it to look at it, then I believe we could be better off for it in some ways, but we would be behind in other ways. I just... What do you think we would be behind in if we pursued that balance? I think because if you... It's almost impossible to imagine somebody like an Elon or somebody like... Uh, literally, I don't know why I go to him. I go to him because he's, he's so intensely engrossed in his businesses that they're doing things that no one could ever do. So he's like just the, the person that just shocks my system when I think of that. I can't, I almost can't even think of someone else right now because my brain like Bezos. Like, you, do you know what I mean? If you really think about those guys. People who have achieved a higher level of success when it comes to being a business person. Yeah, I just, I don't, I cannot fathom somebody being able to do that. It's like if Tesla was alive today, right? Like it would be a version mm -hmm. of Elon Musk, mm -hmm. right? To where, like, what would that individual do if they had the capabilities that certain people right. have today? And it, you, we want to see those people. We want to see these heroes rise who can put everything in our world together and make it work in a positive direction. Right. I think that's why Elon's kind of untouchable because oh. he's one of those individuals who's taking a look at the complete map of everything that exists in the tech, society, civil. The and, overall. And he smashes it all together and he thinks huge. Yeah, impossibly huge to the point where it's, it's hard to fathom that guy's dreams and that thought being in that brain. I, I could just, it would be so, it'd be intense. Can you imagine how fast, like that would break a normal human brain to just think about the, the pace that that brain must go. Ugh. They've made robots that move so fast. I'm pretty sure they've, this might be like one of those Lance Corporal Underground things that I've oh, okay. I'm pretty sure <laughs> this is true. And uh, they, they've made robots that can move so fast that you need a strobe light in order to see Don't say that to me. With the human eye. Don't say those words to me. Why? Because that's terrifying. It, I mean, it's cool, but it's also terrifying. Think, think about that. Just think about that. The, the wrong Dude. hands, the wrong, but don't think, ah, no. But stress me here's out. the thing is it's going to happen. I get it. We're going to get to that point where no. we're merging robotics and artificial intelligence. And as opposed to like, I don't want to think about it. Like, no, we should <laughs> I, think about it. I don't want to think about in it. In a big way. Yeah, it's just, it's not that we shouldn't think about it. I don't think we shouldn't discuss it. I don't think we should progress. I don't think that we shouldn't innovate and, and push to be better, but I don't, I don't like it. And it scares the shit out of me. It freaks me out. I'm going to fix this a bit. Um, I don't like it. It, freak, it freaks me out. It freaks me out because I can't control it. I can't stop it. And it's just going to go. And it's exponential growth and it's happening. And it's, it. look at the growth from the 1900s to today, or even just just the hundred years, look at it. It's hard to look wrap your head it. around it. But if you really sit down and and break it down, it the the more you look at it in, intensely, and the more you really realize 
how quick we have gone from discovering penicillin to robotics doing insane surgeries that most most people couldn't try to do on their own. And that's why we're creating robotics to do it. So it's almost fail proof Mm -hmm. because a robot can't fail. But that's just so crazy. It just... It's a lot. It's so amazing to see. And it's it's a beautiful thing to be able to bear witness to the my God, look at look at the shuttle that they just had. What was it? Uh the mission Oh the SpaceX? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was it called though? Inspiration for? Inspir- inspiration the for the one that raised like hundred and fifty million dollars for St. Jude's. Yeah, that's that the so, one you're Yeah, about? that thing's so incredible. Well, yeah. Not only am I gonna put a rocket in space in offer tickets to go on it, but we're also going to raise $150 million for right. St. Jude's. Yeah, just because they could and they want to do something good with it. Well, that's what, that's what makes me think about Elon and why he's so interesting because technology is evolving at an exponential rate. Mm. And we need so desperately as a society to have humans who are evolving at a rate at least hopefully close to how fast technology and artificial intelligence is evolving. Right. It's- so we want like, yeah, I want like, I, I love Elon. Like it's, it's, he's inspirational for what he can potentially accomplish. He's inspirational for, well, I don't even say potentially. He is accomplishing it. So it's hard to believe when you hear somebody say like, I'm going to put people and colonize Mars. And then you see him do, he follows through with everything. He's like, I'm going to create the fastest electric vehicle. On the face of this earth, it's going to be faster than a Porsche. It's going to be affordable. I'm just going to do it in like super short time. And it's going to be normal and not weird. And and they're better than every car. faster than just about every car that's on the street right now. Every car. I, I so rode great. in one of the, I think they're the Plaid models. Yeah, that thing goes from zero to 60 in 1.9 seconds. Feels good. And it was the first time I've been in a car that, I, my chest was pushed to the seat so bad that I was like, oh, like I, I exhaled after it was over. And I was like, I want one of these so bad. I'm surprised you don't have one. Well, I, they're not cheap, primarily. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the point is you can have one and get one then because they're worth it. You could die tomorrow. This is true. So what's the problem? What do you, what's your issue? What's, what's the crutch? Oh, I just, I think everything in moderation in step, right? Like, Fair. you know, we, we all have our projects that we're working on and it's like, is it going to, it absolutely. Is it something you want, but is it what you need right now? Oh, no, fair. And you always like, I always need these, um, I need these physical projects that are existing the same time as these mental projects are oh, Okay. specifically talking about content. Okay. And working on this thing that's fucking imaginary. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you think about the process we go through a lot at Black Rifle. It's like we sit down as humans with nothing. <laughs> we just bring ourselves and hopefully there's some spicy water, some coffee and maybe food. And then we say, let's use our brains together <laughs> and see what comes out of it. I know. Maybe we can use these ideas to make money. And me too. It, it, and somehow all of these wonderful things come out of humans sitting down and talking to each other outside of all of this shit that we constantly have now. Yeah. And then working 
an imaginary thing <laughs> over time and doing it repeatedly. Yeah, I watched it this week. You it did. was fun. You did. It was exactly, I love that you, you're describing it exactly how it was. And that's why I like just the way you describe that because it was, it was everything you want a, a creative environment to be. It, it allowed for freedom of speech. It allowed for creativity. It allowed for individuals to be themselves and it allowed for no judgment and, and it allowed for space to be accepted. And I felt that in um, that. So that's really cool. To, to have. And I think it's important to acknowledge because that's not always, I keep fucking with your mic, Matt. I'm so sorry. I'm not used to this type of mic. You don't have to apologize. Okay. You so. probably fucked something up along the way. No, he life. didn't. He brought spicy water. You can, can throw that spicy water on him right now. There's so much equipment there. Yeah. My soul, look at him. This is the face. I feel sad that no one got to witness that face. I'm sorry, Matt. Um, spicy water. I, can we talk spicy about Spicy water. It's a thing with us. It is outside of coffee. I'm working. I'm I'm constantly. Um, I'm like, it's not a super high priority right now, but we're pushing into the the ready to drink area. I've been seeing the arena quite heavily at this time. Mm-hmm. And one thing I really want to do, it's just not top priority, is make a sparkling water coffee that's like thirty milligrams of caffeine that you can. Mm. drink and you don't have to worry about the caffeine affecting you too much, but it's okay. also refreshing. That's okay. The, listen. Like I, a bubbly coffee water? Yeah. Okay. Like maybe black cherry coffee, okay. something in there. Okay. Cause then I was going to say, is it going to be like, um, hmm. Interesting. That's going to be different. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're different. Yeah. We're thinking we're big. different. I, <laughs> I mean, there was at no point did I think that. At all this week. Right. You were different. At all. Not different or, or just, no. There's other words we use. I was super disappointed that the jet ski broke down. Not that it broke down, but. We had a good skip planned. Yeah, we we did. We did. It was gonna. I was let down. It's okay. I, do you feel that? Do you feel it? Yeah, you know, those things kind of hurt because I really wanted that part to have, like, because we can't shoot it with you after you leave. And then, you know, Jared should just be documented as often as possible when he's in his various states of wildness. And he had just uh, earlier ripped the rear bumper off of his STI. Yeah, I was there in the vehicle when we- You were in the vehicle when this happened. I don't know if I wasn't, no, I wasn't in the vehicle when that one got torn off. We, we We were doing laps- and we, we stopped to move some rocks because we figured out a new line. So he's like, we both saw these jagged ass rocks and he's like, we should, I'm going to stop and move those. I'm like, you probably should. I really don't want an airbag to That's go gonna off. That's going to be a reassuring moment when the guy who's driving a rally car around a ranch at super fast speeds is like, I'm going to move this rock for safety. And you're like, thank you. The level of trust probably went up a little bit after Yeah, that. you know what it was? I'm not, I'm not afraid of, that I didn't know his abilities though yet. So like, I'm not afraid of going in a rally car. I don't, it's fun. I enjoy it. Like that stuff's fun to me. It's, well, yeah, it's all trust. But I didn't know what his like capabilities for actually driving it were in, in between these large trees and zonkeys. I also didn't know what a zonkey was. And then I witnessed two in the flesh. It blew my mind for like a second. Zonkeys are so amazing. And such a wonderful thing that you, most humans won't see them. 
I know they were cool. It was weird. What? It, and that makes me, what did you think of the ranch? The ranch is a was, special, special place. It was. A lot of now, you know, questionably iconic pieces of content have been filmed there. And it has a, an aura. Has a vibe. Yeah. <laughs> that place has a, yeah. that place has vibes. Like, it's hard to describe that place. So, so we took the rally car through there to the back by the range, which was fun because that should be driven with truck and Humvee only, which was also. And then also like a sprinter van, which by the way, shot a rock at my windshield today driving here. And I thought it was the most ironic, hilarious thing because I got on the freeway and this van that I was just with yesterday with the guys, and I was like, that can't be them. There's no way that's that coincidental. They were just bombing down the freeway and I just got on right at that time to come here. And it sure it was, it was the guys. It was the same guys that were mm-hmm. on the shoot. And they're driving in front of me. I'm just like on the phone with Brady and just smack. And I was like, what? Just that, that just felt weirdly. It's a rental. It's fine. Oh, I don't give a shit. It was just, it was funny to me that it happened to, out of all of the vehicles in all of the freeway in all of Texas. Yep. That I could have been behind. Yeah. You'll never forget us. We make sure. (laughs) We literally shoot sharp objects at your face at high speeds. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was, it was fun. So the, the range was cool. I liked that. That made me happy. I got to be around um, like a 50 cal again and just like all these cool, fun toys. And what I really liked was everyone when I came in was like, uh, Jay-Z came in with me um, and I walked in and, Everyone was just like, hey, what's up? Like your hat. I was like, cool. And they're just like, you want to hang out? I'm like, yeah. Like, do you want to shoot guns? I'm like, normally, yes. Just not, re- I mean, not right now. But yeah, normally I would have loved to have shot all the guns. And so everyone was just super really kind and really respectful. And and then what I did like was like the way Matt was with everybody with the guns. Like he let everybody shoot. He was like super welcoming and but he was like super, it felt like being on a base again. He like carried the gun out to the point where they stand. He loads the gun for him. He shows him how to like, it felt very instructional again. I haven't been around that a really long time. The perpetual RSO. Oh yeah. That's yeah. And that will never, that will never leave. Ever. It's like, I feel like this whole, now that I'm hearing you talk about it, it's like showing up to summer camp. Yeah. But as adults. Yeah, it's fun. and. Better. Yeah, I had a good time. With better food. I didn't get, yeah, I, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah, food was good. We had food at the end of the day. It was good. I was happy. We ate. Um, but it was fun because I got to, what I liked about it was, um, after all of that, we got to go back to the ranch. And the ranch was cool. Because it, it's like the same as it was in the 60s and the 70s. And it, it's, it's got the feeling that it's the same. And what was cool was you were showing me all like the photos and there's like astronauts go there to like hunt and like this property is massive and <laughs> telling stories about things. And um, there's like this mantle and I just remember looking at the mantle and all I could picture was like the fire on and like the astronauts standing there with like a scotch. Just like the women. In, yeah, in front of the Cape Buffalo horns. God, it just felt so American. It, it hurt. Feels right. It felt it feels so right. right. Yeah. It, it it was it was a very um 
It's a very American, like, I felt like I grew hair on my chest at that moment, like that kind of moment. (laughs) God, that makes me so happy. Yeah, it was super American. So that was great. And it was nice. I got to like hang out. And then there was this, what I really liked about that place was there was this, I found this spot in the house that just did it for me. It just hit the right feels at the right time. And it was this big, huge window and these trees and these trees, I don't know what you call them. I can't remember what they're called, but they look like they have air plants hanging off them and I love them for some reason. And I just sat there and I remember just staring at the tree and I felt Those like- Those are called Texas trees. Oh, okay. <laughs> Texas trees. Fact check that. Texas trees. And I sat there and I felt very like, I felt very like stoic, like mad men, like the old windows and just very like, he's off like doing terrible things while his wife is at home with the children. Like- it had Gallivanting that- down the prairie with his sixth shooter. Yes. That son of a bitch. Yeah. How dare he? Yes, that's what it felt like. Cause that house had those vibes. And I just I could picture somebody sitting there with like a scotch, just staring off into the abyss. It felt really, it felt really special. That was nice. It was getting, it was cool to hang out there. Um, and then I got to meet some cool people, which was really nice. Yeah. I like, I, I really like the ranch. Everybody likes the ranch that goes out there, but being a huge history buff and uh, it, it's got such a cool veteran uh, back history to it. Because yeah. addi- in addition to the, the astronauts that took literal photos from space right. that are now in that, in that building, uh, Doolittle's Raiders okay. used to go there for their reunions. Okay. They were the, the uh, popularized in Pearl Harbor directed by Michael Bay. Okay. So all the guys that attacked uh, mainland Japan right. after Pearl Harbor that drove the B-25, drove. They flew. They, they flew. Do, they you do. fly airplanes. You can that drive. That is how that works. You drive the Pacific now. But it was crazy. They flew these B-25 bombers off a carrier, and they were the first ones to attack mainland Japan after Pearl Harbor. And they... A lot, a few of them didn't make it, and they used to have their reunions out at the ranch, and like That's to so just crazy. be in the same soil as, as those guys. Yeah, all these years later, it gives you this immense amount of like pride, responsibility, and like mm-hmm. gratitude that you like even ended up there. It's weird. I it was neat when you're looking at it. It's like you. It's ca- like an adult secret garden. It's weird. Yeah, because and in, 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 in that's what it was like. Because when you walk through like the house, there's like that corridor, like when you're going down the one hallway and you look to the right and there are those big glass windows and there's the trees in the middle. I don't know. It just, it, it's, yeah. it's a, it's got this unique design, like the way it's laid out because it's so old and it's got this weird vibe that goes with it. And it, there's an air about it. Yeah. Anything yeah. that was de- designed during the popular days of acid. <laughs> has a different aesthetic has feel a, to it. The layout itself and the way the house flows, you can feel it. Like, you know, the the part with the ramp, like it's kind of like, and then there was a, where I was sitting was down in the other lower area. And one of the guys, this the lead singer, um, JT came down and he missed the step and I missed the same step at the bottom. And then his buddy behind him was like, watch out for the step. It's like an illusion. It's like the way the house is laid out. It, the floor is very, um, it's interesting. Yeah, everybody thinks it's haunted. There's one stairway that goes up to just one room. Oh. 
which is super strange. I'm really to glad me. you didn't tell me that because that would have fucked me up. It makes time. me want to go to that uh, the Winchester House. Uh huh. Have you heard about this? In uh, I think it's in California. No, I don't. It was the wife of the guy who started Winchester Firearms. I could be botching all of these facts. Am I right? Okay. Bad. Confirmation from the producer. Bad knows. It's, it's right. But she just kind of went crazy and she designed this house. So like stairways lead to nowhere and Whoa. it's a kind of a living maze. And they say it's haunted and all this stuff uh, to where she's like, why would people design a house a certain way with these type of decisions in mind? Like, why do you need a stairway that goes to one tiny bedroom? There's exactly, there's an not a good answer for it. Like just maybe wanted like an office tucked away it's up just, somewhere? Well, that's what, that's what else is creepy about it is it's so small. Like the room is so small in general that as soon as you walk up the staircase, yeah. you're like, I don't like how small this room is. Oh, it's like an like uncomfortably design, tiny yeah, room. The design of it in general makes it awkward to even be in there. It's a concerning size for yeah. a room that we're... Yeah, because I guess if you think about it... Oh, wait, hold. Is there like... Have you ever like checked the walls to see if there's like another room behind something? I mean, we've done a knock or two, but I also know the layout of the house fairly well at this point. And it's... there's. A lot of houses in Texas don't have two levels. There's no stairways. This house oh, does. Okay. Um, because it's built on the side of a a ravine, essentially. And where w- one stairway is, there's a big opening and it's just like utility attic sort of thing. Okay. So if you were to punch through the closet of the other room, but I wonder you would be in a attic essentially. Okay, so that's what I I wonder that though, if there's something behind something. That's been like covered up. Well, that you don't know. I'm just saying, if, if if it's an uncomfortably small room, maybe we just go there tomorrow and do a follow up podcast from the tiny room. That's at the top terrifying. Of the no, come on. Let's Look do at Matt's face. <laughs> I would do that. That's terrifying. I'd have to cleanse myself after that. Everybody though. that goes out there is like, is this place haunted? Is it? Was someone murdered here? And I mean, probably. Yeah. I, I don't I'd, think. I don't think there was. I don't specifically. On that land? I've, I've, as a person who has been in physical space and be like, this is creepy as shit. Who was murdered here? Right. How many people were murdered here and why? But what about on the land? Do you think people have been murdered on the land? Well, I mean, just as a byproduct of time, probably. Okay, that area would have been Comanche territory. Okay, so people had And then had San Antonio scouts. was a hotbed of murder yeah that's uh, one of the things okay yeah. but it was a it was a it was a power town there was there was I a forget. lot of important things that were happening on san antonio obviously the whole alamo thing too but yeah of course yeah, i mean like just the alamo tons of murder in san antonio yeah see because i don't know all of that right because i'm not from here so i forget sometimes where i am like in the places that have significance like so for example the alamo Number one. So, excuse me, okay, this is the thing about this stuff, though. It makes me, like, burp constantly, and then I feel, <laughs> like, super rude. Ah, See, this is why I drink normal water, or I drink coffee on the show. Hey, just because you have a weakness towards spicy water. I drink it at home. I just, you just I have a to work version up of your tolerance to yeah. carbonation. 
Okay, sure. We'll do that because I'll just like drink enough of it and I'll... Nope. Yeah, okay. Um, so I forget that sometimes. So last time I was down in San Antonio was a handful of years now, I would think. Because I came down and I did the Veteran Project podcast with Tim K. Mm-hmm. And... He was like, hey, let's, like, afterwards, we went out for dinner, right? And we went to this Mexican place that was just, I need to go before I leave. It was so good. And he's like, but it was walking distance to, like, the Alamo. Mm -hmm. And then, like, the bar, you know, that bar that has, like, the big, I think it's, like, a main bar, and it has, like, the original long bar. Can someone help me here? You're describing this so horribly. I know because it's a, I don't know where it was. It was like right down across from like the river and there's this bar. It's not the Cuban place, is it? I don't, I don't, I don't know. There's a, there's a restaurant Just, downtown called Little Havana and it's a beautiful, beautiful restaurant. I'll have to ask Tim. I don't, I don't know. But the point is it was supposed to be like the original bar that was there during the Alamo. Oh Yeah. That, yeah, so as I'm not describing it horribly. You're just yeah, not what getting is it. The, um, you know, this is where I need my good friend Jack Mandeville to come in because he knows more about San Antonio than any human in San Antonio. Um, Theodore Roosevelt used to stay in one of those. Yeah, that might be it. Well, the Esquire Tavern is my favorite restaurant in the city. I don't think that's where Roosevelt used to go, though. No, but I think that's the one I went to, though. You can you just went like, to Esquire? I, maybe. You can just walk in and it's... Maybe it does have a long wooden bar. Yes. Yeah, that's the one of There's the a yes. downstairs speakeasy. I didn't go down there. You didn't go to the speakeasy. No, no, cause, no, because no, because I was like I was gonna try to fly out that night to try to go home, um, but I ended up flying out like super early in the morning, and I flew in just for that, and I was like I was exhausted. Yeah, that place. Yeah, gosh, you're for the the Manger Hotel. That's the one. That okay, okay. So that yeah, yeah. So I didn't I didn't do any of that. So, so I regret that now. <laughs> I regret that decision. So that's the thing I used to do. So I, I would do a lot of like, when I was doing work and stuff, I would be like, because I struggled, was, can you get it together? You're embarrassing yes. me right now. God damn it. Um, so I was still struggling with some stuff. So I just like would, it took everything to like go and do what I was doing during the day. So like by the time I was done, I was like, I go to the hotel and freaking just curl up in a ball. <laughs> Like it was bad. You were just, you were dealing with some mental angst. Yes. So now though, I'm like, God damn it. Why couldn't you just get it together and just, because then I I missed out on stuff. Yeah. But I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm starting to do it now. I've been doing it now for, for a little while. So I'm going to, yeah, a couple of years now I've been doing it. What? Just having um, issues in public places and. Yeah. Like uh, for a little bit there, I just didn't feel. I don't know. I don't know what it was. I was just really anxious and I couldn't, I wasn't able to go get over some shit. And then I finally got to that point where I was able to. And then yeah. I was like, okay. Was it the uh, the amount of people around or was it specifically tied to a lo- physical location? No, it just, a lot of times it was, if it was a ton of people and there was a lot of movement, a lot of noise, it was really overwhelming me. Mm-hmm. And to the point where it was like, the stuff that like, it wasn't like like paranoia, like overseas, like stuff, like where's the door, like that kind of shit. It was just kind of like, huh, no. I didn't like it. I didn't like the energy. It was too heavy. Just felt too fucking chaotic. I just was just not something I enjoyed. Yeah. It wasn't like stressful in the sense of like, 
I'm worried like a bomb's going to go off and I, I won't find the door. Like that's that stuff I've worked past. Like your attention was darting too yeah. often to too many different things to where you felt like you couldn't really enjoy yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 That's frustrating. It is. It is. Because you can't appreciate something. No, you can't. You, you can't ever like really feel present. You're, you're just constantly on edge because there's so much to look at. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, it's the stimulus is just like hanging on a level and it, it drains you quick. Mm-hmm. So I found that that was happening. So I wanted to, I was, once I was able to kind of like get past that, that's when I still have that sometimes, like when I'm tired or I'm like just overworked or you're just like, I can't fucking, I can't do another. I just need a minute. Yeah. I'll, most of the time, if I'm like not sick, I'll push through it. I'll just, just keep, I'll do it anyway because I should. But it's, it's, there's this sense of like, it's different now in the sense that like I want to do it as opposed to before, like having to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like it's better now? Yes. A lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's times that where I just, there's, I don't know if it's, I'm, maybe I'm just off. I just don't, yeah. It's not necessarily someone else's yeah. issue. Yeah. Is there any, and, and I ask because I know exactly what you're talking about and I, and I more just want to yeah, see, see what worked with you. So like, was there ever a moment where you did something or through the process of it being like this that you figured out something that helped? For like in those moments in those or in general? In those types of situations as far as like, the amount of stimuli that you're having to endure in a public setting is just a little overwhelming or it's, it's creating this byproduct where you're off kilter. I try to focus on something like draw my attention to something and then like intentionally like do it with intent, focus with intent. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like if I'm holding this can and we're talking and I get, and it's overwhelming and there's people moving and I'm getting a lot of stimulus, I just rub the can and go, okay. And I start asking a few questions. You just rub the can? Rub that can. Rub the can. No, I ask like, what's the can feel like? And I just start talking to myself. What's the can feel like? Feel smooth. Soft. That's so interesting. So you go micro. You You like focus on something small right in front of you. Doesn't have to be right. Yeah, well, because if you can do it, then because what it does, then if you're able to touch something, then you're not just looking at something. You're you're focused on something, and you're and you're getting a tactile. Right? You're getting feedback. You're not just getting visual feedback, right? Mm-hmm. You're getting you're getting um, a tactile feedback. That that's helpful, right? And so it's like, well, it's cool. It's like, okay, well, what's it made out of? It's made, so it's made out of tin. It's made out of this. It's got, you know, it's got print on it. It's you know, okay, was it heavy? It's like. No. Is it like solid? You just ask it. So then your brain just kind of goes hyper-focus. And then all of a sudden you're not worried about going on. And then you're able to just kind of, your brain's able to go, okay, reset. And then just kind of do a couple little inhale, exhales kind of, and try to reset my breathing and then go from there. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't always work, but I, that's, I try to go to a part where I know I've had success before. Yeah. Well, I think those developing those tools is always hyper successful, as I like to call them. Like, yeah. Oh no, I how do I get out of this box. situation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What tools are in the toolbox for this? Yeah. And I was just, I was more curious than anything because I went through the same thing. Yeah, more I was or just going to ask you about where that. You're, you're just, you know, you're like, why am I stressed out right now? Why is all this input bothering me? Right. And, and it's very like. It's a weird conversation you're having in your own head. <laughs> you're just chatting with yourself. With, with nobody else, you know? Right. So you're walking and you're like, you're, you're 
you know, you're with people, obviously. You're yeah. in a social setting. Yeah. And you're like, why do I feel this way? You're having this conversation with yourself and you're like, what's going on? And then you're trying to be present with your friends around too, right? But I think, I think there's a balance. Listen, I think if you, oh, let me fix my pants. Oh my God, high-waisted pants. Sweet ad for high-waisted pants, mom pants. So Canadian. Oh, I'm such a mom. Um, The the thing you got to realize, and this helps, this helps who you surround yourself with and your ability to manage and handle shit helps if you, Pick the right people. And I mean that in the sense of like, pick people that will understand you. So if you're sitting there and you look like you're having a conversation with yourself for a second, there isn't this, oh my God, Logan, you're not paying attention to me. How dare you? Yeah. It's like, bro, are you okay? Yeah. You good right now? You're good. Cause I know your sketch. I know your yeah. previous back yeah. life. That's such a good point. I love that you said that. People are important. Your circle is important. If you if you surround yourself with shitty people, you're going to have a shitty response. You, to an extent, you are who you surround yourself with. You people that you that you surround yourself with, what they believe is, what they think. You obviously have something in common with that type of person. You wouldn't mm-hmm. surround yourself with that, and that doesn't mean it's everything, but it means that, that there's some things. And so, if you can pick the right, if you can pick the positive attributes that you have in common with that other individual, you'll only elevate and better that person that you're with. And in that, you also get an understanding. And with you get that understanding, you get the opportunity to maybe put yourself in a position or a situation you would not normally have put yourself in and expose yourself to something because you feel safer. And that's a huge thing. And people totally overlook that. It's like people overlooking diet. They're like, well, why do I feel so shitty? It's like, do you eat McDonald's all day? Well, yeah, okay. Well, if you put processed shit in you, you're going to feel processed. You, you got to, what you visually take in, what you visually eat and digest all the time will affect you. You might not realize it, but it will. Who you surround yourself will, with will affect you, whether you realize it or not. You can have better and positive responses. You just have to be smart about it. Yeah, I would even go one step further and say, oh, okay, you need to surround yourself with nothing but those people. Oh yeah, there's no, there's no time. You can't having having a toxic individual around you can offset all of that stuff a lot of times to the point where it it doesn't matter because what they say five right isn't that? Oh, is that a thing? Yeah, I feel like that's a book. Hoffman could probably look it up pretty quick, but he's uh, pretty quick at that. Look at him go. Yeah, I see him go. Yeah. You that, should give that, him a that, raise. Like, the the thing I have in my brain at least. Did you is, see that? Is always no, I didn't. The thumbs up for the raise. We it both was, agree. Two to one. Five. Okay. Two, two to one, we win. Good. He's Democracy. So good. He's so good. Uh it's a five. It's f- you are like the byproduct of the five people you surround yourself with. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. Almost. Never thought of that. And I and I feel didn't know like about this. Especially coming out of COVID and everything like we, we have all kind of uh, tightened our circles a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think we all are like, just we're mo better friends. This is killing me homes. Yeah. And then, you know, tertiary, like you're, you're, you're a lot better friends with those people, those select people before. And then right. you are getting out less and making new friends. 
I, I feel like that's a fairly good assumption to make over the course of what's transpired in the last 18 months or so. Yeah, the the abortion of this lockdown is just horrendous. Um, yeah, it's been too long. And I would agree. I would, I would 100% agree because I think you realize the people that you need to surround yourself with, you start to see this thing has tested a lot of people. And it's, 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 it's tested people's characters and their willingness to accept others. It's, it's tested their morals and their idea of, of what a human being should be able to do. And it's really drawn a lot of lines in, a, in the sand for a ton of people. And it's shown people a lot of truth and honesty that you may not have normally got if somebody had never been put in a, in a difficult position. Um, and that's made people realize, like, who do you really want to be spending time associating with? Who do you want to give your time to? Because time is so valuable. And I think people are starting to realize that, how valuable time it truly is. And if you choose to spend your time, you know, like not unproductive, but like being shitty, nobody wants to be around that. That's not at least in my circle, everyone wants to just elevate everyone. It's just like stacks. People just want to do better and more and bigger and harder. And it's awesome. It's so invigorating and it's so um, charging and important. And people underestimate the the real power in being around people like that. You can't get better when you're just around shitheads all the time. People who don't want to try, people who don't want to put effort in, people who who just blame the world for their problems. It's a struggle and it irritates me. It, it irritates me a lot. And I think that's something that COVID has done is before I didn't really have boundaries. I never really set like lines in the sand. And now this, I've just been like, no, no. I'm comfortable with it too. And I don't feel bad about it anymore. As far as just cutting people out of your life? But like not, I hate saying cutting people out of your life because that sounds so cruel. I think. It does. It does. But it's not always meant to be though. Do you get what I mean? No, There's I, a way to do things. And I think I've always tried to be honest. And not in a mean way. Well, I, I don't know. Because we do this, we act that way in what we would probably classify as like one of the most important relationships we have in the sense of dating and right. trying to find a significant other. Typically, when that's done, it's usually by Felicia and you never see that person again. I would say about... 80, right. 70, 80% of the time, that's typically the case. You guys got too entrenched into each other. And when you split, there may be a little bit of conversation, but you're pretty much cutting ties, right? right. We don't do that. Do you don't usually. do that at Black Rifle Coffee? No. No, well, well, usually because we get into this because we love each other. And so you don't have to do that necessarily. Right. But it has happened. But that's not really how you treat it. Uh, you know, a quote unquote friend, a high school buddy, right. a, someone that you knew in the military to where you like, you evolve and you, 
kind of understand that the impression and input that that person has on your life isn't the best. Right. And typically you're giving more than you're getting. Right. And it becomes an emotional, physical, financial drain on you to be a part of that relationship. Mm-hmm. And typically people just don't go, you're done, bye. Right. But maybe they should. Maybe they should break up with that friend. Maybe that <laughs> should be a thing yeah. where you're just like, no, this isn't good for me. And I know I've done it. We're not doing I've, sexual I've, things, but you, like, I don't want to talk to you again. I'm sorry. We just need to move on. Is there, um, is there something you want to talk about? Well, I mean, we're on a podcast. I, I, this, I guess. I mean, that felt close to the chest there. Oh, it's for sure happened. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I just. <laughs> Okay, we're, we're catching it. Matt's catching it. We're getting it. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, I mean, of course it's steeped in truth. <laughs> well, of, well, yeah, I'm just, I'm not trying to be, I don't want to, I'm not calling anybody out. I'm just no, saying. I mean, it was. I just like, I just was like therapist pointing it out. It's like, I just wanted you to say. No, I mean, if I'm, if I'm coming across as passionate, it's, Rubik's Cube. it's just a. Rubik's Cubes. No, no, something that happened. No, I know. I just don't want to pry on. I don't know what you want to, to the extent in which you. Want to get into? Oh, I mean, it's not a it's not a big secret, nor is it. I I don't know. Super personal. No, it was just a a byproduct. It was actually um, someone that I was originally going to join the military with. Oh, uh, and couldn't go. How come? Uh, medical stuff. Oh, okay. So just like couldn't um get the clearance or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That sucks. I've always, that breaks my heart when I hear that with people who yeah. are like, so it was the, it was the asthma thing. It was like, Oh, I have asthma. I can't go. Oh, it wasn't like a, I've had 12 knee replacements and I want to be a jumper. And they're like, no, you, you, you can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but do you know how jumping works? Like yeah. your knees, will, you've had 12 knee surgeries. Right. <laughs> Like you can't. You just can't. You Sorry, just, Matt. It's I keep, not something that you can. You should not be landing on the ground. Yeah, like I mean, it's, that's a different. That's a different thing. If somebody says that to you, and you're like, and you're like, God damn it, man! I'm sorry that you. They're like, all I ever wanted to do was just be a jumper, and right. I've had twelve knee surgeries, and you're like, damn it, I like I feel bad, but it was like asthma. So. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't feel bad. It was just. A I take friend, my feel back like, bad. You, I. Met in college. Okay. Had fun. Did dumb shit together, you know? Right. Had a lot of those types of memories. Like, man, that was so stupid why we do that. I don't know. It was awesome, though. So. Adolescence. Okay, yeah. yeah you, you Innocence. Become, yeah, you become friends through adolescence. And then as time went on, you know, I mature and become a little bit more aware with how life is unfolding. And I... Man, every time I'm with this person, it has a like highly negative impact on me. And like maybe it's just time to just say goodbye. Was it just was it decision making in terms of what you were doing like your on your day to day or was it emotionally like was this person prompting it? Like were they just a bad do you get what I'm saying? It's almost like, you know, when your kid well, okay, you don't, but let me give you when your kid's around another kid that's a fucking shithead and then it rubs off on your kid, and then you come home and that kid's like, now, and you're like, What? Yeah, I, what? I, would, I would say that's a fair example of it's it's that's what I this is what I don't get is when you're younger, 
Your parents there to do that for you. And that's accepted for you to just not be around that kid anymore. But when you become an adult, it's weird for people when you're like, yo, I don't like playing in the sandbox with you anymore because you're mean to me in the sandbox and I don't like it. So I'm a grown adult and I'm gonna walk away. And then they go, you can't do that. And you're like, yeah, no, I am. But I'm, but I'm a grown adult and I'm gonna walk away. Yeah. Yeah. Why is that weird? Because that seems weird. People act like that's weird. Is it? I don't I, feel like it is. I don't think it's weird. But I think I say, I, I think others do though. I think it's hard to, I went, like I, I've, I've done that in my life. And I always feel bad because I don't mean, I don't mean harm out of it. It's just like, I'm, I'm in a different spot and I'm really, I'm really okay with protecting that. Yeah. And I think that's okay to be selfish like that. I think it's a really mature thing to do. And I think in some cases, it never <laughs> mature. What? You don't seem like that's the case. No, I agree with you. I've just that's how, that's never how considered I, yourself yeah, immature before. Yeah, I just like no one's ever called me immature. It's so strange. I, I don't know how like, to feel. Just had like a weird like. Ugh. I'm a debatua. Yeah. How dare you? That's I had a, that in like a weird, weird moment there. Right. Yeah. And then you get these. It's uh, like an adult moment. You are, you are one hundred percent an adult. I know, but it feels like. It just feels weird. I think like, I, I turned 32 this year and I was like, oh. Yeah, but if you, oh, if uh, you think about it, we're all just little kids that just got bigger bodies. I, you guys got bigger bodies. Well, yeah, Speak for yourself. Fair. Do not have that conversation with me. That's true. I spoke too soon. I'm yeah, sorry. you really just spoke at a turn. How <laughs> dare you say such things? My feet are the size of a small 12-year-old. No, they're a sm you know what they are? They're the size of an 11-year-old because the president of my company... Tally Aldis, who really hates being spoken about publicly because she's so, she's so fucking awesome. And I, she's, she's one of those people that you just want to show the world to because she just makes things better. She hates it when I talk about her. Anyway, her daughter's 11 and she wears bigger shoes than me. I know that because I gave her some shoes and they're like, she grew out of the ones you bought her that you also fit into. And I was like, can I have them then? Because my feet are staying there. She's still growing. She's 11. She's 11. It just, it's fine. You guys can grow. It's whatever. You just throw it in my face. It's, fine. it's not how big you are that's important. It's the size of your heart. But that is in direct proportion to the size of my body. Yeah, it was, it was a metaphorical saying, fine. I'm just, yeah, you're tiny. I don't, I don't know what else. Thanks, Matt. Matt gets it. He gets it. He gets it. He gets it. Can we talk about something? Yeah. I just want to bring that full circle. Real bring quick it. Because there, it. Is, there is something to be had from that whole uh, friendship conversation. And I, and I think that it is the fact you, you kind of observe some of it. But it, what so many veterans intrinsically, I think, are missing when they get to the civilian side of life or that they don't feel like they have a sense of brotherhood no, that's in their day-to-day exactly -day life. And I think that we're doing a fairly good job of crafting that type of experience where brotherhood is allowed to be 
brought together through common purpose and unique ambitions and goals and common objectives. Granted, we're not getting shot at and we're not shooting anybody anymore, but it's this very fluid existence of being with people of the same mindset. Right. And, And I say that as being an important thing because I think it's important for everybody on this planet to know that they can exist in that environment, that it is capable to do that all day, every right. day for yep. your entire life. That yep. there, it, you do not have to get stuck in this nine to five. No. And to bring it super, super full circle Hit it. with the Elon thing, like I just oh, don't went, oh, know how you can be as efficient as a human if you Good. have these on-off switches. No. And I've, I've tested this with myself. I'm like, how can I be the most efficient where I'm constantly in it? I'm on the grind. My creative brain is humming. Like ignoring the outside world and like, I'm going to go check out for two days. Yes, I think that it's, that's important. I think what's more important is that you love what you do so much that it doesn't matter if you do it all of the time. Granted, that's a super difficult thing to accomplish, but it is possible. And if it is possible, why would you ever stop working towards that? You're, you're not, you nailed it. That, that's why I didn't interrupt you. I just let you go because you, you echoed the exact thing I would have said, but you just said it. You said it without stuttering. I'm proud of you. You did well, kid. You represented well, kid. Because that's usually what happens. You did it. I'm proud of you. You had a good moment there. Good job. Because that's true. You fucking nailed it. Chesty Puller is smiling down from above. I can feel it. That's all right. Good. I'm glad. It's just the light. But we'll we'll let you have it. We'll let you have this one. Thank you. You're welcome. But it's true. And I'm glad. I'm glad that. uh, I'm glad that you echoed that because that's important. I think people really. They think that they have to be stuck in this life. They, they just, they don't. And it could be because of individuals telling them they can't or never having anybody push that or harness that or, or, or really foster that in someone. But you can. And it is possible. It's been proven time and time again. I just think um, I'm excited and hopeful that with the pace that we're going, more would want to join in on that fun. Do you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. I I personally believe that, uh, or at least my my leadership philosophy is uh, leading by example. It's, I guess, from my previous success in life. Right. That's kind of what, and it's easiest to do probably. And it just tees up this existence of an awareness that like, if somebody else is doing it, I can probably do it. And I think if you get to that point, you also can have this thought of nobody does. I'm not the best at what I do. I'm the only person that does what I do. Right. And I think that mindset of embracing this individualism in the midst of being 
in existence with close to 11 billion people at this point. It's just too many people. Kind of spurs something important on the like, oh, I want to have a purpose. I want to to bring something to the table in this thing we call a human existence. I think the way that society is shaped, you you have to, if you want to, if you want to evolve, you want to, that, that's, that goes back to genetics though, right? That, that innate drive that, that, that's built in you to be the, the elite. That's a human, that's such a human thing. But it's fascinating to see it on different execution levels. Because you can almost think back to like evolutionary scale and really think you can see who would have survived. It's really fascinating to look at that in modern age, though, and when you think back at it. Because yeah. that's like what you're talking about. It's like if, if you know that one person can do it, why wouldn't you just be trying to do it? Why would you accept what you're accepting. I know, you know, there's, like people say there's, like, fucking water, man. It's brutal. Are you okay? No, it is so carbonated. I think, because I've had two today. You're getting the burpees? Yeah, I can't stop. I feel oh. horrible about it. I apologize. Um, but. I just want to go back to, if I could time travel, I want to go back to that moment when the first group of humans attempted and were successful at killing a mammoth. But when, okay. There's so much, there's so much to unpack there. <laughs> yeah. So much to unpack there. So this is a byproduct. Uh, I've, I've just been digging into the whole carnivore situation a little bit. And once you start doing that. I wouldn't have guessed. I mean, mean we didn't just eat two types of steak for dinner. It was awesome. It's so good. We just had two types of steak for dinner. Like Miguel cooked. Okay, so Miguel is this really awesome person that never gets acknowledged. I'm going to acknowledge him because he's been- What do you mean he doesn't get acknowledged? I'm going to, I never get a chance to acknowledge him, so I'm acknowledging him. Oh, you are? Yeah. Okay. I think it's important. I think he's a cool guy. He is. And he does, he works really hard. Anyway, so Miguel- Absolutely does. Yeah, and he cooks like a champion. So he has- He's Cuban. Is that, is that why? I can't say that. I think in part. I cannot say that. Can you say the, that? Yeah, all Cuban food. Uh, it's a, Can you say that? It's awesome. Okay. All the Cuban people Wait, I'm on- I know make awesome food and awesome coffee. Uh, oh, co- yeah. Mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't, I don't know if I have a, like a Cuban friend. No? No, I'm trying to think. Because I like. Well, well, you do know. I, oh, I know. Miguel, I, I love him. He's great. And he's amazing. Um. And we were, we were talking earlier about like being parents and like stuff a little bit. Like, um, and he's, he's just very, he's just really, uh, it was cool to talk to, like to hear him talk as a dad. Cause you see a different light turn on than you see like at work and like all of those things. Yeah. Anyway, he made, he made a steak tonight and he was like, here's your starter. Here's flank steak. Here's your main. And it was, would we have a ribeye steak? Mm-hmm. It was so good. And I, and he was so like, Instead of like trying to force me to eat meat the way you guys would normally eat meat, I was like, can you cook it a lot for me? Can you cook it a lot? He's like, yeah, that's shameful. And I despise knowing you now that I know that about you. But he did it and he was kind about it. He didn't make me feel horrible about it. Yeah, I don't know. To me, it's like someone asking for sugar and cream in their coffee. I know. And at the end of the day, you know, they're still drinking coffee. So it's okay. I know. But every time we go to a nice restaurant, my husband is like, just 
before she speaks and opens her mouth, please just give my dearest and deepest apologies and give her the worst cut of meat because that's what she deserves for having it cooked the way she yeah. has it. Yeah, yeah, he hates it. But he does it for me though because, I mean, he loves me and I'll bitch. We like what we like. My grandpa was the same way. He wanted his, he, he always wanted his burgers like well done. Yes. Like what? And he was like such a freaking American dude. Like you could have plucked him right out of the American graffiti movie. <laughs> you know, just grew up building cars and he got married at 19 and worked for the city. And I don't probably never even went on a computer. I love you know? how your face snarls up when you're talking about an old man and he's always like, he did this and he just, like your face just immediately turned into a, an elderly man. Probably. Who was probably just very strained all the time. because I'm imagining looking at my grandma. I know, but I'm it's just funny because I just watched you go there. Mm. I watched the whole, I watched the whole transformation in front of me. It was intense. My grandpa was very inspirational to me. He, uh, one, because of how dedicated he was to his family um, and two, how, how much he wanted to do stuff himself. Independent man. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it was like a, a big project, uh, something around the house or, uh, you know, a larger scale maintenance thing. Like he wanted to be doing it himself. Is he guy? And that made a that made a huge imprint on me. And I think about him as a, a lot as I as we work into this digital age. Interesting. Yeah. He's I just he's always one that's like bringing me back to this messaging of like, dude, work with your hands. And it's mm. funny because both him and that specific message were wrapped up into one of uh, the messages that I got back after I got back from Mexico. Well, it happened in Mexico, but going down to Mexico to do Ibogaine. Right. Um, and oh, typically get a, you know, just some sort of lesson-based awareness base, like here, here's like a current state of where you're at. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just see yourself. Sometimes it's here's, here's something that you need to take away to improve your life. How many times have you done it again? This was, that was the first time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So you went, uh, and that was the most recent one. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's, yeah, it's, it's interesting because the, the thing I learned when I started dabbling in that psychotherapy and, and, and then psychedelic therapy and things like that is your family is always somehow like woven in to something, some aspect yeah. of it, some yeah. like, some like learned behavior or something. And it, it really helps to understand it. And you, and you, you see people differently afterwards from it and you can understand it differently. And I just like that those types of treatments help you not only like move forward, but like do so much back work and just kind of fix things that were so damaging that help you, that will stop you from becoming this person you could be. And I just think they're really special, like when they're used properly and it's 
it's nice to see others ex- have experienced those things and have positive results and healthy results and, and long-lasting results and impactful results from that. It's nice. It's nice to see that. And it's important. I think it's really important, but I think it's fun because that's the common thing with, I feel like people who have done therapies like that is they all seem to have a deeper understanding of themselves and their families. And when you talk about things like that with them, it's, it hits on a different note. It's not like my grandfather worked hard. It's like, right. Cool. cool. It's like my grandfather worked hard. He was this stoic man who, you know, I learned this and this from, and I watched this It's like, they get this, like you can see the change. And that's what that was. That like face, that whole like in depth of it, realizing you're doing it. That's what that was. And that's when you can almost tell right away somebody has experienced something that you don't get outside of psychedelics. Say more on that. What do you mean? What, when you say get, get more outside of psychedelics. Like insight. I find you get a different insight. Do you feel like that's the most powerful insights you've gotten as you've no. gone out of the military? Oh, like um, in terms of things that I've done that have given me the most insights? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think as you obviously get older and you develop and you you know, you know learn more about yourself, that comes with time. But I think there's ways to assist <laughs> and maybe just like rocket ship that level shit and like, that takes commitment and takes effort and not a lot of people want to do that. And so if you do get the opportunity or the, you have the wherewithal to, to dabble into something that that's, that is that exploratory and self word, like self look, what's that? You're looking inward. It's, it's that much. Introspection. Oh, there it is. God yeah, damn welcome. it, Matt. You're welcome. It's Matt's fault. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's God knows what hour. It's fine. Matt, when people are able to look and really, really kind of stare into the mirror and, and, and see themselves for what they are, that in itself is powerful and healing. And it, is, it has been the most uh, impactful thing that I've done to date that has been... Uh, uh, within a, in a small time frame, so like, the, I'm trying to articulate it in the sense of like, over you know, how long has it been? Ten years I've been out of the military. Yeah, the growth in that time frame to me is astronomical, um, and I had a certain level of insight up until I did psychedelics, right? And that's, again, just aging and learning and going through it. But when you hit, it's like hitting, it's like, it's like driving the plaid. You just put, put, put your foot on the floor and it's like, you're like, duk, 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 up to that. It's like Fords, Tesla kicked in. And then it, it's like fucking rapid fire. Like there's, it's, it's a different thing. And if you choose to do that, you learn a lot about a lot of yourself in a really tiny time yeah. frame. So you're not saying it's the most uh, effective necessarily, but it's the most efficient way. 
I don't know if I would agree with either. I think it's it's intensely effective if you do it properly and follow and stick with it and integrate it and use it properly. Yes, I think it can be incredibly impactful and, and overwhelmingly useful. Um, unfortunately, some people don't use psychedelics like that, right? Some people use them for, to party. Some people use them to do whatever, and that's totally on them. That's you, you do you, man. Do whatever you want. I use it specifically to better myself and not because I want to do it in a short time frame because it's such a shock to the system and a uh, flip in reality. It's such a eye-opening or what do you call it? You think in fourth dimension, four dimensions afterward. It's... Yeah, it, it at least... I think yeah. paradigm shift right. is something that you could uh-huh. speak to describe mm-hmm. it for sure. And that is, that'll shake someone to the core of themselves. So it's not really about, it's not really about pace and it's not really about, I think effectiveness is there, but I think there's a responsibility within that to integrate properly. And if you don't do it and you don't utilize the tool and you shouldn't be playing with the tool. Yeah, I agree. It's... It's like pouring gasoline on a fire. <laughs> yeah. You know, and yeah. no, you, you're right. You, you explain a lot of that really, really well in the sense of how people can potentially be feeling. And I think it's part of everybody's journey mm-hmm. to where they get to that fork in the road to like, do I want to improve myself mm-hmm. or do I just kind of want to? melt into existence. Right. Do I want to know what it's all about? Right. Or do I just want to put my fingers in my ear and la, 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 the rest of existence? And that's fine if that's you, but I can't be around you. You can't be in my orbit. You can't be in the atmosphere. I can't feel you. I can't see you. That's horrible to say. I'm a horrible person. I can't because that affects me though. I pick that up. I feel that stuff. Well, I think, I think you can still exist with them. Maybe not, but like those I, five people. That's that, what I mean, yes. though. I mean, they're not. They're not within the five. Oh, you can exist and like live. Like you can, if you want to do that with your life. I'm not going to be like you're the ha- heinous. Get away from me. I don't want to contact. Like you're contagious. Like no. I just mean, I prioritize certain people based off of how much we jive and there's certain people I jive with just happen to be a certain type of people. It's not, it's just, it is what it is, man. Try harder. I don't yeah. know. Just try. Yeah. Just try a little bit. Like just for like yourself or like your family or like society, humanity, just like give a shit. Yeah. Ask that question. What is important for you? Right. What, what gives this life meaning? How do you work to improve that? Correct. And it's, it's not easy. There's a yes. lot of speed bumps along the way. Yes. And going backwards significantly. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
It happens. Even after you, that's something people, like, I don't, ah, that's something too that people don't, I don't think talk about. Just because you do it doesn't mean it. Woo, I'm facts. Woo, like, no, no. One time doesn't change. Like, it's a continuous work. It's effort. It's thought. It's time. It's, it's all of the things that you have to put in to, to keep it moving to keep it healthy, to keep it rolling, to keep it being better. You, you have to, this isn't like a, this isn't a magic pill. This isn't like a, what, what's, what, what's that thing they say? It's like, it's not like a, it's easier to take a vaccine than it is to lose weight. Like it's not, it's not a cure-all. You, you have to fucking work at it. And psychedelics are like that. And I think if you use them, they're, they're like that. You can make them be a part of self-improvement. It's like people who are like, their life is so bad. They just have to go on vacation. They, you know, like, like, they grin and bear it and hang onto the fucking seats of their, like they're just hanging onto their seats. It's like I fucking hate every day of my life. I can't wait for that one seven day vacation of my life. Like, can you imagine living like that? Like, that's what that is to me. It's like, I can't, I can't not do it. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to go through life feeling that horrible all the time, hating everything I do. I want to use psychedelics to make it so that I can be so healthy that every day can be a vacation. It, my, it, my, my brain doesn't have to be a battlefield and chaos. It can be a vacation if I work at it and I try and I integrate properly and I respect what I'm doing it for and why I'm doing it. But that requires plenty of things people don't want to do. Effort, time, commitment, willingness, discipline. That's hard for people, man. You're asking for a lot. Think about that. It's so hard. (laughs) It's so hard. I still can't make my bed every day. I'm horrible. Get it together. I know. I know. Jesus Christ. How long were you in? The military? Yeah. For just over four years. Okay. So like you and I are in about the same amount of time. Like get it together. Right. Come on. I'm what we call, I don't know what you would have called it uh, in the Canadian military, but a skater. What's that? I was a skater. What's that? I don't know what that is. Oh. Matt? You're skating past all that responsibility. (gasps) Oh, you just somehow got away with it. Yeah. How? You just... Did you have any women staff? In the Marine Corps infantry? Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, because you guys have them now, don't you? Yes. Yeah, yes. okay. Oh, sorry. They I did, made I, that change in the last decade. Sorry, 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 sorry. I forgot. I did. I thought that was before. I was going to say. Because I could, I could see you doing shit like that. I could see you going those ways. Yeah? You yeah. Think so? Yeah. Not like doing anything. You think I'm a little child thief, a little blue falcon? <laughs> jumping in there. No, I, I think uh, if you had those staff, I feel like you could be like, I feel like you could have been like, I don't want to do it. And they'd be like, okay, Logan, you don't have to do it. But then they get like the small, skinny, like 18-year-olds, like the small little kids that they could like, just saying. I feel like that's, but, I, but you guys didn't have women. Okay. So then how did you get away with everything? Get away with what? Just not doing 
No, I tell I'm, me your flaws. No, I'm totally tell me your kidding. deep dog flaws. Totally kidding. Are you though? Yeah, I don't know about that. Well, it's just there's a, some it's truth a to joke. that. Like it, like Evan Hafer, the founder and CEO of Black Rifle. Like he's a phenomenal human. He he's, doesn't email me back. He's one of. The, I don't know how many shows I've said that on now. <laughs> like twelve. Thanks. Hey, he told me to email him. He gave me his email. Well, he may like, have given you the bro. wrong email. He may well, have just given you like that wrong phone number. That's not what I was told. Who knows? He's a busy man, man. Yeah. People got stuff to do. We can inquire about that later. It's all right. I'm not worried about it. I don't even remember one. Oh, he's... Just enjoy teasing Evan people. loves... Uh, he's a child thief. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He, Tell me more. He will. He will get inside your food. Oh, okay. I get it. So like nobody likes a child thief around. No. It's aggressive. Because if you get that Chili Mac MRE. We didn't have those. You set it aside. And you're just waiting. And then it's gone. That's him. Yeah. That was you? No, that was Evan. But that wasn't you though at all? No, I wasn't a child thief. Not even a little? No, I was a skater. So also you can't be both. I think it's like a, mm. there's probably a personality test there. <laughs> and they have a, each yeah. one, each category has been filled. Yeah. Like, okay. are you, uh, are you a child thief? Right. Mm. Are you a skater? Mm. Right. Like skaters, like, um, Hey, go, go sweep the laundry room. And then all of a sudden you disappear. Yeah. Like you're just gone. Oh, there like was plenty of you. you. I know all about you. Right. You mm-hmm. went to Chow and you never yeah. came back. Right? Yeah, yeah. Skater. Uh, Blue Falcon. Break it down. You don't have Blue Falcons? No, but this is our my show too. So okay. want to explain that yeah, for people? A different way to say buddy fucker. Oh, but so, oh. Yeah, this no. person would be someone who uh, like loses their sleeping bag like right before they have to go turn in all their gear and steals their roommate's sleeping bag. Oh, no. So they can have all their gear when they turn it in. I've never heard that terminology before. No? No. It's a pretty popular thing in American military. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Is there any other ones? I'm sure there is. Well, in the Marine Corps, you got, it's not a person, but it's an affectionate term for the Marine Corps called uh, the big green weenie. Okay. we would use... uh, that to describe any time collectively as uh, usually a platoon or higher size element okay. uh, was collectively fucked. Oh, so uh, okay. You know, you're on a field op. It's Friday night. Uh, you're supposed to hop in the seven tons at like sixteen hundred, okay. and they don't show up, it starts raining and you don't get out of the field until Saturday morning, mm. you would be like, green weenie strikes again. I feel like I'm learning. I'm learning, I'm learning so much. I'm excited about it. I need a little dictionary. Did you guys have any non-affectionate terms for people who were shit pumps? Of shit, shit, the, pumps. shit pups? Shit pumps. Shit pumps. Do you remember me saying that? You said you listened to the episode. Shit pumps, as in like a bad trip, like a shitty trip? No, as in like somebody's a shit pump. 
No, I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah. It was we, we talked about that uh, with uh, not on our show, the the Andy one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a, yeah, it ended up being a thing. Um, yeah, people are shit pumps. So it's like um, the guy or the girl that the human being that was not good at their job, and they were just more of like, fuck again. You're the fucking like you're shit pump. Like you're just not like you're the guy who has an ND on an artillery gun, on a 105 howitzer. <laughs> and I guess what? That happened on our graduation, so. What do you mean on your graduation? So the day that you become a gunner is the day that you fire a live round for the first time. Well, we practiced on the 105 howitzers. I think they were but the 105. your graduation is also the first time that you shoot no, the gun? No, it's not your graduation of the actual graduation of becoming an artillery gunner. It's the time that you go from being a pri- getting called a private to a gunner. It's like the first time you become a gunner. So like you graduate later, but like your cap bat, not your, I guess you already have your, no, your cap back, your cap badge changes from the cornflake and basic training mm-hmm. to your like artillery gun, like cap badge. So it's way cooler. God damn. Yeah. Okay. It's so fucking, it's a good moment. So it's a, it's a good time to NB. be confident. Mm, yeah. yeah. We had one and it was live and it was downrange and so were the foo. Which were the Ford observation observation officers? Oh, wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were there some puckered buttholes? Um, yeah, it was fine. It was good. We were they were obviously very lucky, but God damn it, I remember it though. It was in Gagetown. It was in um, New Brunswick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's tall, skinny dude. Who am I going to ask that'll know that? Who will I know that will know that? <laughs> There's a couple people I know that will know that. So I'm going to call them after this and ask them because I'm going to, I want to remember exactly who that was. But yeah. Do you sure you don't just want to live call them right now on the show? No, I can't do that. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, you know me enough now to know that I would do that. I guess I'm trying to imagine how you ND. Oh, easily. An artillery gun. So you can be standing like there. Fuck- string gets tied to your pocket and you just walk away. No, it's just that. It's that, it's that this more. It's so cartoonish. You know, right. It is though. But it's so when you're standing there and you're all ready. So the guy or the girl who has the lanyard, you one hand, one hand on the hip. And mm-hmm. you just stand there and you wait. And you're supposed to wait for the sergeant to look at you and go, fire. And like the, the, the point, like yeah. the. There's a reason. There's a whole body motion into it. Just in case you hear it by accident in your little brain, you need to know it. And so um, he was watching, and I don't know if he just didn't pay attention or his brain shut down or he had a small seizure, but he twisted his hip and pulled the lanyard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think he... I think he said he didn't, he thought he heard him say it. But this guy had this. What was his reaction after it happened? People, oh my Christ almighty. He was terrified because it went it sc- screaming, just fucking horrific. Like that's, that's how, like that's training. That's how people die in training accidents. Like that's the rarity. That shit happens. Like we had, we lost people. I, I don't know if it, I think it was the year after me that did workup training in Alberta and like a tank rolled. Like it, like shit happens in training. People accidentally shoot people in the fucking head. It happens. We had in Alberta, I shouldn't, <laughs> we had another one of those in workup training in Wainwright, Alberta. 
We were in the back of a truck. I remember the name of the person. I'm not going to say it, Probably though. Probably shouldn't. Not going to do that to him. Um, but I, for once, I was proud of myself for having, like, memory recollection. So I just wanted to, like, acknowledge that I was real cool and remembered something for once. So it's like, whatever, though. You, no, you deserve that. Yeah, I know. For I'm gonna, sure. Oh, I'm going to take it's it. It's always a wonderful day. Like, oh, my God, my brain works. Yeah, it was like, wow. Oh, hey, hey. Anyway, so we were in the back of the truck. It was like a tented truck. We we're all just sitting there waiting. We got the, it was the first like whole, I don't say company, but it was like the Air Force was involved. Everyone was involved. It was like, I think it was um, Operation Maple Leaf. And we were just doing this like live. So there was way more people to embarrass yourself in front of. Bro, everybody was there. And the artillery gunners went out and we were we were playing infantry for that part. Like we were just being like, we weren't doing artillery and we each got, I think it was like four or five live rounds. I think it was four. And we had to load, we loaded, load around, chamber around, wait. And he fucking pop and it shot through the roof <laughs> of the tented truck. And I just remember going, oh, oh no. Cause you hear a live round go off and everyone just fucking turns and is like, what happened? Like, cause that's, you know, when that happened. And it was in the truck. Bro. In the truck. Oh. Not like straight up either. Like. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No. It wasn't good. Was it a 105? No, it was a 762. Just like a. Oh, a rifle ND. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So we had a rifle ND during then. And then during gauge time, we had the, the 105. 40 pound round. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Why are you even judging? It's fine. It's not even a big deal. So whatever. I was pretty. I was pretty close to being on the receiving end of one five five at one point. Please tell me about this. Yeah, it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun at all. That was like a massive fear of mine. Being on the receiving end. Well, no, both. Being on the being on the end that drops on someone that it shouldn't drop on. That's like a, that's a real fear, man. It should be. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a, but, but then like, you know, some people that also like, that run those guns with you and you're like. It was a byproduct of the chaos of combat right. intermixed with uh, the fact that we were a little angry. We were a little angry. We we're fighting angry. Oh, so you were, thing. you were you were going we made, for it. We may have like collectively done some things inside of danger close ranges that wasn't exactly by the book. Okay. But nobody collectively cared at that point uh, because of the fights that we were getting in intermixed with. Right. The fact that these guys kept coming out of the same area Constant. over and over and over again. And we were like, we have to, we have to deal with this. We have to figure this thing out. And it was, it was later in the evening. Okay. We were in our main patrol base where, where I was for a majority of. What base was that? It's called PB Almas. Okay. No. It was right on the uh, Hellman River. Oh, Hellman. Yeah. 
Fucked in that province. What year was that? 11. 10 and 11. Okay. Yeah. Right on the river. Yeah. Like we had to cross this little uh, single, single pane footbridge in order because the bridge, <laughs> we thought we could make a better bridge than what was there. And it wasn't a dinky river. It was. Did your engineers come in? Yeah. The engineers came in. Uh, they tried to put a bridge over the existing Afghan bridge. How'd that work out? It didn't. Not really. Okay. Nope. So why didn't we blow so, and restart? Blow what? Why didn't we blow the bridge and rebuild properly? Because they fucked it up. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. The mechanical bridge that they brought in was just at too steep of an angle <laughs> to go to drive anything up or take a donkey cart. How? Why is that not? How did the military fuck this up? Is that what you're asking me? But I thought you were supposed to be like, I'm a special, I'm a special guy. I, I think you think that I was a little bit more special than, than what I was. Well, I mean, it's not that, but I mean, most of you guys were decent. Were you at your job if you were in those provinces? Like, it's pretty decent. Yeah. That's okay. So my fucking point stands. Why? But it's also the Marine Corps, which I don't know how much uh, relevant, you know, kind of ethos information you know about each of the perspective branches. We uh, do I know more about <laughs> with less and we have more stupid courage than anybody else. I know, but... I also thought there was like common sense kind of intelligence. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes okay, cool. there is. Cool. It's not a guarantee by any means. No, obviously. but I was, you know, hope, hope and yeah. pray at this point. So every time we had to cross this footbridge, which was every time we left the wire, we would have to leave with you know, 40 plus pounds on our back mm -hmm. on a swaying footbridge that if you did fall. Yeah. Like no if ands or buts. No one's coming in after you. You're sinking to the bottom of the river. Did anybody fall? No, surprisingly not. That's actually not bad odds. I mean, considering that thing being that sketchy. Well, I wonder did the Afghans ever maintain it? Was there ever a point where like before that they they looked after that base? Yeah. I don't know what ended up happening to the mm. base. Cuz we were co-located there. Right. And then the Brits, right? No, not the Brits. Well, the Brits, we took over for the Brits. Oh, okay. We took over for the the 40th Marines. Okay. They were there before us, but when I was there, we were just working with the Afghan National Army. So it was, they had their own little area in the compound and then we had Yeah, because I know, I know the guys that I was with, they were in Helmand, like it, all yeah. through that fucking place. Yeah, if I didn't trust... Uh, a Marine to do maintenance on a bridge. I definitely wasn't trusting an Afghan to do it. Well, no, I don't disagree with you. I just, just throwing it out there. Cause like it better that it's not you that falls in to like do the maintenance. Yeah. Or an no. American. No. Insensitive. Like am I doing maintenance comments? on a bridge in the middle of that? Is that what you're wondering? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's better to like, if it's not you, like, or an American, I'm trying not to, to be like, I don't want people, I don't want anyone to get hurt, but like, 
during that time, it would be better if it wasn't a Marine doing the main, do you get, do you, sure, can, yeah. can you help me here? Yeah, gotcha. Oh, wow. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah. Just left me there. Let me drown. You let me drown. Just get a couple guinea pigs. Is that what you're saying? I'm not saying that. Looking deep in your soul yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying, I just, I'm shocked that nobody fell in. I think that's impressive. It is impressive. Yeah. It was one of those things that you look back on and you're like, I don't, that just doesn't make sense that that didn't happen. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm like the odds of the amount of times that you went over it and the amount of people that didn't drown. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, there were circumstances where you're like, I would have never imagined that happening. Fair. And then the thing that you would be like, somebody's definitely falling off this <laughs> and dying doesn't happen. They're going to die for sure. A hundred percent. There's no question about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we got these artillery rounds that were called Excaliburs. Yes, did I know about them. These? Yes, they're yeah. very expensive and they're only used for... Did you fucking get to shoot an Excalibur? Fuck. Oh. Is that the round? Is that the one that almost killed you? Oh no. my God. Okay, no. I was going to say, I'd be so... God damn it. They're so rare to shoot. Yeah, cool. <sighs> <laughs> it's more rare to be nearby one when they go off. But it wasn't the scout. So what happened was we were calling for fire with GPS-guided artillery rounds. Yeah. Called the Scalibers. We were aiming for this orchard that was... So jealous. 800 meters away as the crew oh. flies. Oh, why? Yeah, it's close. That's tight. It's close. Oh, that's too tight. Yeah, it's too tight. Mm -hmm. It was too tight. It was too tight. So... After putting... I don't know if I've ever heard a human say that. Put it, putting... Uh, it's too tight? Yeah. Sometimes it's too tight. It can be too tight. It that can be. Can it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and now the burping starts again. That. So... We're not having success with these Excalibur rounds. Because it's too tight. It's too tight. So the line... Slash, I don't know who exactly made this decision. It doesn't matter. Okay. But they switched from these Excalibur rounds to airburst rounds. Why wouldn't they just do HE? Why would you do airburst that close? Because specifically we were trying to shoot in this orchard, right? So you, I mean, I get it, but like that's, you went from a GPS rocket propelled pinpoint accurate round within danger close territory and then swapped it for something that explodes in the sky that's designed to cover a large area with 800 meters. Okay. You got it. Marines. Feeling good. Okay. Logic. Keep going. So as it turns out, they didn't recalibrate the guns. Okay, this is getting good. After they switched the rounds from being a GPS-guided one to okay. reverse rounds. Uh -huh. Were these Americans firing this? Yes. Okay, yep, sure just wanted was. to clear that up, making sure we know who was firing that. Yep. And uh, it didn't go the same place that these caliber ones went surprise surprise mm. the first three hit over the river okay so nothing um 
minimal shrapnel to the front of our base into the Hescos. Okay, so that again would have killed. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I have all this on video, by the way. And then what? Yeah. The the my team leader is is on the front and he's like, Whoa, that's too close, man. (laughs) As he's saying that, yeah, hear the next one come down. And you just see the camera shake and then you hear two more. Did anybody decide to call it in? Yeah, there was, there was like, you know, every swinging dick was yelling ceasefire at the top of their lungs after that. But it happened so fast, you really didn't have time to respond to it. Oh, that makes me feel sick. I was walking to the front gate of the base or the front wall. As the second one was coming down. I s- sidestepped mm-hmm. to the left, like two feet behind a cement pillar that was holding the gate up, yeah. the open gate, and just like split second, just missed it, missed the shrapnel by a split second. Like I could hear it go by. In my, I've mm. never been shook so bad in yeah. all my life. I've been yeah. nearby quite a few explosions. I, my whole entire being was never shaken like that to the point where oh. it's for a split second. There is no plane of reality. No. You're, you're, the horizon, it completely fucks with your equilibrium. And it feels oh. strange to like come back to being settled after experiencing that intense vibration. What, ha- what happens when a call like that is made and comes that close to killing people, like what, who, who gets a shit for that? Or did anyone? There was an investigation and nothing came of it. Because obviously mistakes happen in war. Like I get that, but like, that's a mistake mistake. That's like a take out your own fucking base mistake. Like that's not something you walk away from normally mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Sort of par for the course for that go around. Oh, but I mean, how many deployments did you do? I did three total. In four years. Yeah. Yeah. Only one of those was to Afghanistan. The what? other two were Muse. They were what? Muse, military or uh, marine expeditionary units. So that's when you get on ship. Ship? Yeah. But you're a marine. Don't you do land things? Are are you being serious right now? (laughs) Well, I just didn't understand. Like, you guys are all ship. Marine. No, I know. Marine. Water. I know, but I think of Navy when I think water. Because we don't have Marines. We have Army, Navy. Yeah, haven't haven't you heard that joke? The Navy's just a Marine Corps Uber. No, what? <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's fucking hilarious. Technically, we're a department of the Navy. Hmm. I didn't know that. That mm. makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. I'm understanding it now. Huh. Interesting. I understood the name, but like I didn't understand. Like, no, that's fantastic. Yeah. So you get you get put on a ship. At any given time, there's multiple muse floating around 
just each just, of the oceans, just floating. Yep, just waiting for just, shit to pop off. A motherfucker would. A whole bunch of you know shaven, testosterone-filled, disgusting men. Men stuck on a ship, six to a bunk, just it, ready to go. Just what? If you logically think about that and break that down and look at that, that's just such an odd thing to do. Am I wrong? To get on a transport that is a ship and go around to various countries throughout the world and potentially get into a gunfight. And then jump back on the ship and, and float go away on like a yeah. yeah, it's a little weird. It's a little weird. It feels strange. It's a little strange. I feel like there's a whole thing there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. Ships, not great. I, I wasn't a fan. And how long total were you on those? Uh, the first one was seven months total, with probably about half of that time was on the ship. Less time on the second one, more time in Japan. What does that feel like being on a ship like that for that amount of time? Like the not having land. That's like water world shit. It is. It's it's one of those things where you kind of get used to it and then you shut out the reality of what it is. Kind of like tour, any tour. You shut it off and then you like embrace it in its totality. I remember going up at night. Uh, to one of like the the top decks, and on a starless night, you're just and it's a smaller ship, so you're just bobbing in the middle of the ocean. I don't like it. Experiencing this wave, you know, you, like you can. He- it's loud. You can hear all this, but you can't see a thing in any direction. It is absolutely pitch dark, and you're just feeling the full weight of the ocean. Treat your ship like a toddler has a rubber ducky in the bathtub. No. And just know how powerless you are in all of it. And it for me, it gets to that point where you're like, you drop through the bottom of this is so fucking terrifying if I truly think about it. Life doesn't matter that much. Oh, well, if it fucking goes to hell, who cares? Let's just live it however the fuck we want. Oh, it takes it. It takes a turn. Yeah. Oh, a dark one. That's heavy. It is. It was the it was the first time I can remember actively that I was. I had. Individual solo, like philosophical contemplation about life where I was like. I was just alone long enough thinking about death long enough to where I kind of like came to an okay conclusion in my head about existence. Right. And the possibility of losing it. Okay. I'm glad that you said that. Because that's something that I went through and I think a lot of people go through when they've done a deployment. Any deployment. Oh, absolutely. That is something that I've never talked about with anyone. Like I've never thought about it that way because... I had that rationalization and that I had that um, that contemplation, that thought process. What, like, how old were you when that happened to you for the first time? Um, twenty. Yeah, so we were the same age. 
I was 19. So to think about that though, as a 19, 20 year old kid being like, hey, this is, this can just end. And like, I'm cool with it Mm -hmm. because I have no control over it. Having those thoughts that wherewithal at that age is like, it's just, it's never thought about it like that because I had that thought, but I didn't realize, I know others, like I obviously know rationally, like if I've had that thought, most likely a lot of people have, but I've never unpacked that and like talked about that or really thought about that. I think more people need to experience that thought. Oh, 100%. Because we just, we float in this place of existence to where you're not really that close in that face-to-face with death. Right. And I feel like the people who have experienced that, like, I almost fucking died, dude. <laughs> or experienced that multiple times. Mm-hmm are just much more likely to have an appreciation for life. Right. Because they saw the other side of it. They Mm -hmm. saw what it was like to lose the feeling of existence that it is all fickle and it could all go away. And the fact that you don't actually appreciate how good it is to be alive and breathe big breaths into your lungs and how fucking amazing that actually is if you take a moment and you think about it and you think about how cool it is to be alive in this endless existence of stars because you can't be like oh i don't mean anything and inevitably your brain does go there yeah but you can also like flex your muscles to the fucking ether and be like i'm fucking alive (laughs) i'm here you can like viking level that shit yeah because you can appreciate it there's a difference when you've never tested yourself there's a difference when you've never gone to the extreme of something and that goes the same for death as it does for life there's the balance and there's the understanding and when you haven't almost lost life, when you haven't taken life, when you haven't had life challenge you to the extent in which you feel like you can no longer go on, you can never fully (laughs) contemplate either one of those things, I feel like. Because there isn't an understanding of what those two things really truly mean. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that spicy water went down the wrong pipe a little bit. Okay, so if you didn't listen to the last episode with you because the audio sucked and that's our fault and so we apologize for the quality but listen to it anyway because there was a really good story about peanut butter and jelly time. Peanut butter jelly time. It was peanut butter jelly time. And you went surfing on a giant peanut butter and jelly sandwich and you, will you tell a story? Yes. It was in Peru. Doing what, 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 what are you? I believe this was my second, second ayahuasca ceremony okay. that I had ever done. Where did you do your first one? Where was your first one? It was in Peru. Sorry. So when I say that, the not the first night we did it, but the second night we did it. So. Oh, oh, it, I, okay, sorry. I thought you meant um, like a second week, like a separate. Second time. Got it. Yeah. So, so second actual time. Apologies. That's my, sorry. 
Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't the second trip altogether. Just the second session. Got it. Um, and I don't know why I say that outside of that's how they're broken down in my brain. Okay. As far as like what I experienced per ceremony because they were all different. I it can totally relate to that. It wasn't the same. Some are nothing but wonder and awe and appreciation. And some are nothing but everything <laughs> that's wrong with you amplified <laughs> at 11. Uh, for hours on end. (laughs) And sometimes that's the way it is. And you kind of have to take these things as they come, obviously. And you have to explore all these dark corners in your brain. But at the end of the day, I think you have just as many light corners as you do dark corners in your brain. And you explore the lot of that in its totality. And I think something that is hyper important when you go into these things, which is something they always make you do, but it's just saying your intentions. Right. And I don't know, I guess to me, it's a little bit like sitting down with that Marine Corps recruiter and be like, why do you want to join the Marine Corps, son? Like, do you, are you looking for adventure? Are you looking for honor? And you're like, just not expecting to pick a service based off of a couple of those attributes that you may encounter while you're in the service. Right. But these ceremonies do have uh, a sense of lesson-based orientation. Okay. To where I feel like there's very clear tabs to the folder, so to speak. Okay. A lot of times when I, when I go through this, this one in particular was a escapade of a fun journey that crossed the entire galaxy. It felt like, and it would stop. And when I say stop, it would be like, you're consuming the entirety of the geometric universe and four dimensions as fast as it can be consumed and it's shifting and morphing in every way imaginable. And you just feel like you're at the world's coolest laser light show. (laughs) And then it would just stop. Right. And then it would teach you something. Right. And one of those times it all stopped and it creates this like sense of wonder as, as I remember these points where I was like surfing, you just, you kind of appreciate your brain (laughs) and what it's capable of. Right. Because the thing that you're seeing has so much awe and spectacle to it that you become happy that you were able to have this experience. Exactly. Which creates an appreciation of life. Correct. And to have a heartbeat and to feel alive. Right. And I think we just forget that sometimes that we're these machines that have meat that move in a certain way to keep us alive. Like we're a walking, talking miracle every <laughs> second of the day. We're a meat and bag. It's pretty, you know, as many horrible decisions we make on a regular <laughs> basis, it's also pretty cool that we exist, period. And have successfully survived to the extent in which we have considering what we do to one another. 
This is very true. Right. Yeah. But these lessons kind of came in various ways, shapes, and forms. And one particularly stood out because what it ended up being was my checklist. Like, here, Logan, here's how you like stay in a good state of mind right. for life. Right. But it just told me this lesson in the most wonderful imaginary way possible. So after we kind of pause from our surfing, and I'm saying we, I'm saying because plural, because at this point I had something with me. I had like a, it started out as just like an orb that would like speak and it would kind of like just be back here behind my head and Aliens. be with me, but it would talk. And then it kind of evolved into this thing that had a name. It was called Abraham. And if I had to say it looked in it like anything, it evolved to look like a Care Bear. <laughs> and I don't know why. Oh. But by the end of this ceremony, I was surfing the galaxy with a Care Bear who was teaching me life lessons. But all of the life lessons made so much sense and, and were so like wonderfully clear. Mm -hmm. And like direct and understandable. Mm -hmm. And the peanut butter jelly was, I, when we paused in the midst of our travels, <laughs> we were floating in the darkness of space. And there was a giant, like the size of, you know, just to give scale of something in space, like yeah. a Death Star. <laughs> the size of a Death Star, but it was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Correct. And then Abraham started talking to me as we're floating towards this giant sandwich. And he's like, the top slice of bread is life and the bottom slice of bread is death. Right. And these are the two things that you're, are guaranteed. Mm -hmm. right? Like you're going through the top, the other one is waiting for you. Right. And then it said, this other part, the peanut butter and jelly, the goobery goodness that makes the sandwich is this in-between space, mm -hmm. which I feel like a select few amount of humans have gone into through near-death experiences, a deep state of meditation, doing psychedelics, doing activities that are close to death where there's a threat of death mm -hmm. or it almost actually happens without your participation in anything that would potentially cause it dramatically. Mm -hmm. And people who really work on themselves and like want to go deep down inside themselves and like figure out what's going on and how to live and why life exists. And I after talking to more and more people out in the world who have done this, we all kind of have the same take on it. Right. In the sense that there is this other state and it may very well be one of the best parts about being a human. Mm -hmm. And it provides a lot of value to come back into the mundane of that top slice of bread to where you're like, 
you go down and you scoop up a little bit of peanut butter, you scoop up a little bit of jelly, you take it back up there. Right. And it helps you. It helps you deal with all of that stuff. With all the shit. So it told me, it was like, here's what you do. And it was like parental. (laughs) The, the, the psychedelic thing was like almost like a parent, like pounding its fist on it. It's like, this is what you need to do. But it's me talking to myself, right? It's, it's, it's it? what's going on in my brain when it's operating on this frequency. Wait, hold on. Let me challenge that for a second. Okay. Because just let me know. Let me challenge Go it for a second. For okay. What if, are you sure it's you just talking to you? Or is something just speaking through you to you? Like another consciousness, another level, or another entity or thing? How is that skirting the filter of your own brain, though? Say it is. Say it is. So, Because it's that- a different frequency. There's different shit going on with the brain. Other things are firing in ways that don't fire. Like they've seen if you, they do scans and MRIs of people on DMT and these things, and there's places in the brain, I'm pretty sure, I'm almost 100% sure that I've shown that before. Or they've done it with psychedelics and they show other parts of the brain firing. So I wonder if that is a part of the brain that is able to talk with other consciousness. I wonder these things too. Oh, I just got deep for a second. And it's hard to like, we can't, we, we could fucking argue this all night Oh, long, it's not an but, argument. But I just wonder, sorry, it just made me well, think no. that. It's so abstract. There's there's no way to fucking know. It's no, just, I know. We don't. Just curious. I am too. It's just crazy. And I've, so I thought I've about thought it this about weekend. It. I've That's, thought about it quite a bit. I, and yeah, it, regardless, regardless if it is your brain, right, your entity, yes, your consciousness moving into a different. We'll use the term frequency. Oh yes, because right? there are diff that that's been proven to show different yes wavelengths. We're, you're, we're essentially having this conversation where does that turn your brain into a radio, <laughs> or does it turn your brain into something that needs to translate what it's receiving, right, and then craft it in a way that makes sense for this machine, right? Because I maybe it's what I don't want to believe. Mm. is that if we pursue a state of consciousness that flips us over to just be receivers mm-hmm. and we don't have any control over specifically what we're receiving, that seems just like something I don't want to believe is true because it would kind of provide this uber negative to this thing that I think is being a huge positive and, and helping a lot of people. Oh, no, I can completely agree. I think there is a way to look at things. I'm always wondering from a technological standpoint of like people, I think we've talked about this last night in the truck. And it was like, um, we were talking about aliens. And it was like this, if you were an alien, wouldn't you want to go back and fuck with humans? Like, do you remember this? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, so... No, that's the stance in which I'm looking at it. I think in the way in which you being able to talk with yourself and have introspective conversation, 
that has done something positive, I think there's something to that as well. On an offshoot and tangent, I think fucking aliens, but that's... Are you, are you saying that you think that something can essentially kind of fuck with you through your brainwaves? It's like, no. Well, I guess what I'm thinking is like, think energetically. Think there's things that we can't see, but doesn't mean they're not there. Yeah. Think like that is what I mean. So like, I'm thinking along the lines of like ayahuasca level thinking, like deity. This like, this idea like grandmother ayahuasca, this thing, this plant, this consciousness that isn't yourself. That's what I'm thinking. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That just made me think of a really interesting question. If you were an alien. Right. I mean, if. You had the power to do anything. Mm -hmm. And you have a unique awareness of everything on earth. Okay. What would you do? Do I have to stay on earth? If I was an alien, like, so was this like, cause like if I was an alien, do I have to stay on earth or could I just go do other alien shit? Cause if you're like, you're an alien. You could do, you can do you whatever to... you want. You could just be like, you're not worth it. Humans. Goodbye. Yeah. I would probably do that because if you know of other shit that's popping off in the galaxy that you can travel to, wouldn't you want to know? Yeah, of course I would. It would also beg the question if you're an all-powerful God, if you can be at multiple places simultaneously and ex- experience anything, anywhere, at any time. That's a different question, though. It is a little bit different question. But as you're getting deeper but I prefer into that. it, you're, you know, what, what would true, like, awareness of power be? In the sense that we we don't we can't control gravity. Right. We can't control time. But what if you could? How like what There's dimension be would people. you be existing on and what would that feel and look like? Bending time and all of those things. I mean, I feel like there's an aspect of that was psychedelics where it feels like time bends when you're in it. Mm-hmm. Things change. You're not there. Like, like this, I had an experience this weekend and I don't want to get into it, but I'm working on unpacking it. But there's no way I was, I wasn't here. <laughs> right. There's no fucking way I was here on this planet. There's no way. There's just no way. What I saw doesn't make sense. And so now, I explain that. I don't like when, when you say, or at least try. Okay. In the sense that, would you say it's an out of body experience for you, or you have this extensive dream state? No, it's not a dream state. It's more than that. It's like, I don't know how to describe it yet. It's so difficult. 
I, it's so new. I'm working on this one. I've been working on this all day. I've been not trying to, but I've been just getting a lot of it all day. Yeah. And it's, it's weird. I had a couple moments today where it was real heavy. I got some really good, like, just downloads of stuff. And one was really good. I got to talk through with someone. And it was amazing because it felt like I was getting it in like real time. And I was giving what it needed. Mm-hmm. It just felt really good. And I like just cried at the end of it. Because I was like, that was like super fucking cathartic and weird. But it's, it's fucking powerful. It's its, it's, its own thing. It's hard to describe. I'll work on it. I'll get back to you. That'll be at the next episode. Do you typically write stuff down when you say you get these downloads? Yeah. How are you? Yeah, I write. You're, and I sketch. Yeah. And I'm not a good sketcher, but I just, yeah. I, it, it works for me. Yeah, I write. I scribble. I'm a scribbler. And then, and then I got like, um, I don't normally type or anything. I normally write. Um, but I was on the plane and my... My um, briefcase was up there and it was like the seatbelt fucking time was on. And I was just sitting there and I was listening to some certain music and it just was like, I was like, I need to get it out. And so I just, I, it's funny because I'll get my phone out and I'll set it. Ah, sorry, Matt, I have to edit that. I'll set it like this and I'll just type like this. Yeah. Like, really quickly, like just rapid fire, but it looks ridiculous because I get into like a weird golem state. Like this on the plane, like a hamster, just yeah. like rapid typing. And I get in this like weird <laughs> like zone. And the guy beside me was just like, what the fuck is happening? He just kind of turned away. It's like, don't, don't stare at the weird one. And it just, I got like this huge, and it's weird because I've never, what I wrote like for that, I hadn't written that stuff. That's not, that's, and the stuff that comes out isn't like the way I write. Mm. It's weird. Mm. It's, it's super weird. What's different about it? Well, like it's, it's, uh, it's not how I speak. It's not how my kid, it's not how I talk. It's very forceful. It's very like commanding. It's not like, it's not like I'm writing. It's like saying like, it's like saying things as if so, like for me to read it. It's really weird. I have the, I have the the journal I wrote in for the first time I did, like Aya. Mm-hmm. It is fucking wild. My husband read it. And like when people who know my writing read it, like, that's not you at all. Yeah. That's crazy. Lex read some on the on his episode that's coming up. Oh yeah. Yeah, I let him read a couple of pages. That's awesome. Cause he's like really. He's really into like um, introspective, like, and like deep, like really thinking about consciousness and like all of those types of things. And I was like, oh, hey, Robot Man, you'll appreciate this. And he's like, can I read some of this out loud? I'm like, yeah, go for it. I don't know if it stayed in the episode, but it was maybe like super vulnerable to do that. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, because it's like, it's almost chaotic. The writing is almost chaotic and like, and like intense and like forceful. And it's got a lot of like, it's just weird. And yeah, I don't know. I just fucking, why not? Everybody has experiences. You might as well, it's not going to hurt anyone. Well, it's, it puts you in a super vulnerable state. Mm-hmm. But it's also probably at the same time, super cathartic. 
It's cathartic to do it. I don't know about how cathartic it is to share it. Yeah. Um, it's cathartic to do it. But I've I've also learned that I'm a creator in a sense, and I'm trying to create awareness in this space to show the the true healing it can bring in, to show the positivity it can have and the impact. And I think in order to do that, if you want to do it properly and you want to do it justice and you want to do it, the service it should, you know, really, really have is you have to be willing enough to just talk about what that exactly means. And it has to be honest and it has to be whatever it is. And there's no shame in any of that. If it's not clean, it's not messy, it's not anything. There's no shame in that. And I mm-hmm. think it's important to just, to be vulnerable about it. And I've kind of gotten to that point now where where I that's something I kind of preach is like, you have to be, if you, you know, I have this, this idea of like what I define a good person as, right? And I think being vulnerable is important for humanity's sake. And so that's an important, you know, um, that's an important part of a person. And I think more people need to have that. And so I think, and psychedelics really help with uh, bringing that out in people. And it's, I've only ever seen positive results of people who've gone through that. They open up in ways like their lives get better. Mm-hmm. They're able to just see things differently. And, you know, people heal mm-hmm. and marriages get better and families get better and people love themselves and people feel like they can move on. And it's, it's, there's no reason you shouldn't be vulnerable about it. So I wrote again. Yeah. So I was writing a lot today when I was here, just hanging out at your place with the dogs. When you, when you do these writings where you're like, that's not me. Do you think about, what it is, where it's coming from. I wonder, but I, I don't know. It's weird for me. This thing that, this thing that I've experienced has been so impactful to me. It feels more. It's not like a psychedelic. It's like, it's connected to something that I can I don't even know I can I can relate with in a way that I just trust. I don't know how to describe it otherwise. I just trust it and whatever that means, it just there's a belief in something there. Yeah. Like some, it feels like it's a part of you. Yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah. Get it, homie. Yeah. Yeah. It's deep shit. I've experienced the same thing quite a few times. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. It's hard to describe. It really is. Well, that was the one of the things in peanut butter and jelly. Right. Which the uh, the tasks to do in order to pull from the peanut butter and jelly. Correct. To get it back into life was to journal. Mm. Um, and not just like, oh, I went to the grocery store today. <laughs> like Kelsey and I ate. Me, in different types. But like, making it meditative, making it ceremonious. Yeah. Doing breathing exercises before it. Right. Clearing your head. Mm-hmm. Um, which ties back to 
one of the underlying features of all the things in the peanut butter and jelly, which is creating space right. a lot of times in some way, shape, or form. Meditation, writing, running. Physical fitness, yeah. Physical that's, fit. It's creating space. Yes, yeah. To do that, do those things for yourself. I, w- I also think creativity is in its own like little box in the mm-hmm. in the peanut butter and jelly that's like kind of almost the hardest one to crack. Right. To, to Yeah. To like figure that thing out. And that's your thing too, right? Like that's your whole thing. It's well, I mean it's not just my thing, it's the most But I mean you in particular, your job, like your yes. your life, that's like you're the creative. So that's that's a that's something I would think for you would be the one thing I would want to access the most. Yeah. 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 You, yeah. That's definitely where you want to, which, which program you want to hack into the most. Right. I, I read um, uh, some survey that surveyed a bunch of CEOs across the world. Mm. It was like 500 or something like that. Okay. Almost like, and I'm talking about one or two here. Almost every single one of them ranked creativity as the highest really? skill that you can have as a human. Yeah. Well, if you think about that, break down like, you know, what creativity is and why that is such an asset. I mean, of course, that should be the, that should be right up there. I mean, without creativity, there's no progression or innovation. How do you define creativity? That's a good question. It's such a good question. God damn it, you nailed it. Look at you. Look at this setup. Because <laughs> I like, also, at the same time, don't know what's going to come out of my mouth to answer this question. That's good. You're really making. So I'm kind of putting myself on the spot at the you same are. time. I can't, you 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 just boast it up in such a way, and your face makes me want to punch it. Yeah. Um. That's a fuck. That's a great question. Creativity, in the sense of, I see it as essential to life. It's essential because it's the only way forward. Because without without creativity, there is no there's no creating anything. You're not you're not progressing. You know, creativity is what is at the heart of all innovation and thought. It's without it, we can't, we can't, we can't exist. We might be able to, but we're not hunting anything. Probably like where we were when we were like scavengers as a species. Yeah. But everything that we currently enjoy has been a byproduct of creation. Correct. So it's only, it's only, it's, you would only expect it to be ranked the number one everywhere. Yeah. It, it would be. It makes sense. It, yeah. I mean, it's logical. What, what is creativity to do? I think one of those bullet points is the pursuit of original mm. to think thoughts that nobody else has ever thought before to come up with ideas that nobody's done before. Even if you don't 
do it every single time or it doesn't always pan out. But to pursue that, to pursue something Mm -hmm. at least mostly original. Mm -hmm. Do you think it was the Bible that said there's nothing original under the sun or something like that? Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. But also, like I was talking about before with this using your hands thing, like, I think it's this desire to build and to form. Right. Like creating Legos, like doing a Lego build is fulfilling. Right. In its most basic form because you took one thing and you used creation in the form of instructions and mm-hmm. then you used your hands and you smashed those things together. Mm-hmm. And in a way it is creation. Of course it's creation. That's why they, that's why they have, they have Lego that is not, you know, um, you can just buy like uh, red blocks or blue blocks or green blocks. You, you don't have to buy sets of things. There's this, there's this understanding that they want you to innovate and create on your own. And that's what they have. Like, have you ever heard of BrickCon? No. Oh. What's BrickCon? It is where people go and build Lego and they're builders from all over the world. And they go to like a convention center and they build these obscene, just insane sets like you've never seen before. And in order to get attention from Lego and if you get, somebody sees it and they buy it as like a design set, you get a percentage of that for every set. So it's like, there's this, literally we went to, my husband, like, I love Lego. So we went, there was like, um, I think it was like his parents got us these tickets to go to BrickCon, who came to, came to BC. And we went and it was fucking, it was, it was rad. These guys built, I've never seen some of this. Like it was, I can't even fathom. I can't, I can't describe to you. BrickCon had a huge impact on you. It was fucking wow. weird, bro. Well, no, because like people from like Sweden flew to British Columbia to build Lego sets. What kind of bricks are we talking about? Like little bricks, normal size Legos, and they would do. What do they think this is? Duplo? Are you are you four? Well, I mean, my son has those, but he also. I don't know if we're making like huge buildings out of big Lego blocks because I could see that too. Like it's there's anyway. And you can buy like super rare stuff there. So I end up getting the Toy Story Legos. You know, the little green army men? Yeah. I have that set. How many are there? There's like five in there. And then there's a Jeep. And Jack fucking, Jack's, Jack plays with them now. I just ask because I've been wanting to do a stop motion army <gasps> men commercial for Black Rifle. Where there's like this... Because there's that scene in um, Small Soldiers. There's a bunch of green army men. Yeah, they're the best. And then they like, they have all these, they have to use all the everyday ordinary objects as cover and concealment and weapon creation and stuff like that. Yeah, you got to do that. With, yeah. With the green army men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Green army men are just, there's something about them. When you see those little things, I, I don't know, I love them. I love those. Yeah, so anyway, Brickham was dope. But Lego's crazy. It's 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 a spectacular Creation. thing. Yeah. We isn't that amazing to think that like the 
shit that has just come out of people just going, hey, I think this would be cool. Just trying it. Just, yeah. just taking like a two second chance. I still don't feel like we've just correctly defined creativity. I don't think we have, but I think that is where my brain is at with it currently in the state. That's like a, that's one of those questions I'd like to sit on. Do you know what I mean? Like I'd really like to sit around a fire and think about it. It's a good idea. Yeah. It's a good idea. We've been doing all the good ideas today. We've got the coffee ideas. We've got the shirt ideas. We have the podcast ideas. And we have the other shirt ideas. What else did we come up with today? Yesterday we had some shit. Well, my mind just goes to the shirt ideas. Well, I know, but those were, great. those were solid. No, and then we had the other shirt idea about the grenades. We had a lot of ideas today. We were supposed to tell Miguel. I was supposed to tell Miguel some stuff so we didn't forget. Because it was good. I just got to sit in the outside and it helped. In the very Zen backyard. In the Zen yeah. backyard. It's very, it was really nice. You just hear the bugs and like just the quiet. It was fantastic. And the dogs were awesome. And we wrestled and it was great. Just some dog wrestling. It's fine. You did it. I'm proud of you. 